The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Good morning, church family. So, as Doug said, um, I'm Heidi, and this is my husband, Sammy. Hello. And yeah, we are missionaries with Youth with a Mission. Um, So many of you probably know us. We've been part of the church family here for several years, and we're really excited to be able to be back uh, with you guys this Christmas season. Uh, So God brought us into full-time missions about a year ago, and we're currently on staff with YWAM. YWAM is an international mission-sending organization um, that also runs training programs for people in missions. We've been serving with a base in Mendocino, California for a little over a year now, and our most recent project with them is staffing their discipleship training school, which is a six-month program for young people who are interested in either serving in missions or serving in ministry down the road. So the first three months of DTS are, um, it's what's called the lecture phase, and it's all about um, classes and activities, which are centered around really knowing who God is and our identity in him. Uh, What we believe about God is one of the defining things about us. Uh, It affects how we live and what we do and the things that we value. Um, So we'd like to share a little bit about what God has been doing in us and in our students over the last three months of lecture phase. So as Heidi mentioned, there's the two phases of the discipleship training school. First, the, the lecture phase and then the outreach phase. And we've been going through the lecture phase, which is primarily a bunch of teachers come in and teach from their area of expertise relating to the Bible, theology, ministry, and missions history, as well as deepening relationship with God. So it's kind of like the first half of the school is more introspective and the, the latter half is more outreach oriented. But we still do have some outreaches throughout the first half of the school sort of whet the appetites and give the students an insight into what we'll be doing later to a greater extent and to build that into the culture as well. So the first outreach we did was in partnership with YWAM San Francisco and we were able to stay in the Tenderloin District of San Francisco. If you're not familiar with that area, the Tenderloin District is a nickname for an area with the highest concentration of homeless people and people living on the streets. So naturally, YWAM San Francisco's main ministry is to that people group, to that demographic. Uh, We were able to partner with them in doing prayer walks as well as uh, one outreach. We went out on the streets with cups of hot chocolate and just spoke with people, uh, people struggling with addictions, people living on the streets. Uh, We were also able to help host a food bank with them and that gave us and our students a beautiful insight into these people living on the streets. Uh, And to see them as more than just a project and more than just the discards of San Francisco, but to see the real depths of their story and their uh, unique journey. The Tenderloin District is also unique because due to the low housing costs, it's where a lot of people resettle having moved from overseas. So there's over 25 different language groups and people groups within a 30-block area. So as the director of YWAM San Francisco has said, it's as if the nations got wheels and moved to our back door. So that has given our students a really good insight of what overseas missions will be like while still being in country as well. Yeah, another really cool opportunity we had to engage with the nations in the U.S. was um, working with Afghan refugees. 
I'm sure most of you are familiar with the situation in Afghanistan that really uh, disintegrated rapidly over the summer, and a lot of people had to be resettled really quickly um, in different countries than their home country. So there's a certain area in California, we're not really going to go into the specifics of where that is, but a large number of Afghans are being resettled there right now. And we had the opportunity to partner with a small YWAM team there that uh, is working on welcoming people. Um, it's a really scary time for a lot of people, and they're in a new country, they don't speak the language, so a really important way of reaching out to people with love is just making sure they feel welcomed and at home. So we were able to host some dinners with Afghan families. They're really sweet and amazing people. We got to hear stories and play with their kids. Um, and we also got to visit a hotel where um, many of these families who just arrived are staying. Um, we got to just show them welcome. Um, so we played soccer with the kids. We made tea and hung out with the parents. And um, with you know, the little communication we were able to do, heard their stories and just got to say, you know, you're, you're welcome here and we're glad you're here and we're willing to partner with you guys in making you feel welcome and at home. Yeah, so those two stories are sort of a, a snapshot into what we've been doing over the past few months. And it's also, the outreach is not only uh, a big part of the ministry for reaching others, but it's also helpful for us as well, as for us and our students, as I think a lot of times we get into the mindset of seeing ourselves as humans in general as the main character of our own story going about our lives and those who interact with us are just sort of side characters with little influence and well varying degrees really but it causes us to lose sight of the innate value and the expansive lives of other people around us. So in working with people on the streets of San Francisco or Afghan refugees coming across the ocean, we're able to shift our mindset and our paradigm and realize that they're not just the side characters in our story, but they really have an incredible depth of experience and their own struggles and journey and vision and worldview and challenges and victories of their own. And these experiences allow us to see that and seeing a glimpse into their humanity allows us to experience Christ's love in a new way and see them the way that God does as well, not just as a project to be fulfilled, but as people who have deep felt needs that, ha that can and will be addressed by God. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. And uh, as we were mentioning the DTS, the Discipleship Training School, in this season, one of our key areas of ministry for us personally is working with our students as well because we want to build into their lives and discipleship and mentorship. We believe that's a huge part of everyone's spiritual walk through life in general. And so we're putting a lot of effort into building into those folks so they'll go on to do more as well. And we've seen a lot of growth in them. That's been a really beautiful thing for us. It's been uh, really encouraging to see how they've grown in maturity and character and confidence. We have relationships with local churches over there in the Mendocino area, and we've got to see them speak in church, share testimonies, step out in leading worship, and reaching people on the streets as well in ministry. So it's been really beautiful to see them come alive and <clears throat> take their, their own relationship with God to the next level personally. Yeah, so as we've been talking about, the first three months of the school was the lecture phase, and then the second half of the school is what we call the outreach phase. So at the end of December, we're going to be taking our students overseas for two months, 
which is a really exciting opportunity, and we're so glad that God is making a way in what might seem like impossible travel circumstances and everything, but it is happening, so we're thrilled. Um, we're going to be splitting up into two teams. Uh, one team is going to the Middle East, and the other team is going to a region in South Asia, and Sammy and I are going to be on the leader team for uh, that group, and we're very, very excited for the opportunity. Um, there are a few different ministries we're going to be partnering with while we're there. We have the opportunity some, to do some um, ministry and visits in more remote areas, so we're going to be doing some trekking in more mountainous regions um, and even connecting with some believers that are in those areas and just like following the leading of the Holy Spirit as he brings us to people. Um, and while we're in cities, we're going to be partnering with some local workers there. Um, they've got some outreaches to women in trafficking, at-risk at children, um, children in more impoverished areas. So lots of cool things for us to be doing and, and plugging in with the local work that's going on there. We really covet your prayers, so please really be praying for us as we go into this time. Um, as you're aware, the world is just in a constant state of change right now. Travel um, restrictions are in a constant state of change. So just pray that doors will stay open. We'll have favor with the right people at the right border crossings. All of those details would go well. Uh, pray for effective cross-cultural communication and relationship building. It's really difficult when you don't speak local languages or when you go to a region where there's a lot of different languages in a very like small area. So it's impossible to really like learn all of them or get a basic grip of them before we go. Um, and pray for financial provision for us as well as the rest of our students. Um, many of them, this is their first time fundraising, so it's like a learning curve for them as well. And just that we would stay close to the Lord and like Sammy was talking about, having his heart for people instead of viewing them as projects. Um, that's something that we've been learning, but also our students as they're stepping out in ministry and that they would really want to see God's will accomplished in these, people li these people's lives and not necessarily what they think should be accomplished. Um, yeah, and then just health as we go to like a new country and adjusting to what it's like there and also just protection from COVID. Yeah, so thank you very much for partnering with us and being a part of this journey with us. You'll notice we've been intentionally vague about some of the details with locations and that's because, well, just for the protection of those people there who will be working alongside, we wanna make sure nobody is in any legally uncertain scenario when it comes to the gospel. So we've been intentionally vague about that, and I hope you understand that. Thank you very much for being a part of our journey and being our home team, because we really do acknowledge that we could not do what we do without our family backing us up. Thank you, Sammy and Heidi. Isn't it, isn't it cool? It's, it's really amazing uh, to have people that we already know and love and then to see them head out elsewhere in the world and be a part of what Christ is doing, building his kingdom in other places uh, and just to send them out from here and to, and to watch what he's doing in them. Uh, you guys, it, we love you a lot and uh, we want to be praying for you diligently. Uh, let's pray for them also right now. I invite you to join with me in prayer. Father, I, I thank you that you have led Sammy and Heidi to where they are. I thank you for the opportunity you've given them to serve you in this way, and I thank you for the passion that you've given them to love people like you love them, to tell people 
who your son is to show your love to people and to equip Christians to walk with you in, 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 their, in their journey. I thank you for all of the ways that you've been giving them a passion for that and for giving them, and giving them the ability to do that in California now and then also into South Asia as they go. I pray that you would bless them with fruition, that they would see you doing things and celebrate that you are doing things and have the satisfaction of seeing how you are growing people in your kingdom around them. And I pray also that you would keep them safe as they travel, that you would make the way plain as they travel. I pray also that you would keep them safe health-wise and and please just give them uh, the ability to communicate wherever they are, wherever they're planted, with whoever they meet, that they would be able to connect with them in the ways that you've ordained for that to happen. And Lord, we just pray that you would bless them. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we can know him, that we can know your love through him, and that we can be part of what he is doing as well, because he is the king of kings and Lord of lords, and he is the one that we worship even as we are here this morning. Lord, thank you for everything. We pray this in his name. Amen. I invite you to stand. Let's worship Jesus together. The scripture reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 10 to 14. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared before the angel, with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So I'm Sheila. I'm the director of children's ministries here at White Ridge Baptist Church. And as you can see, we're here. <laughs> we made it up on stage. Um, our kids are ready to share with you what we've been learning about and working on this past while. And so, through our practice of our songs for today, and also in filming our skit, we're really excited to share that with you. These past weeks, we were teaching our kids new ways to connect with the story of Jesus' birth. So it's a familiar, sorry, it's a familiar story for many of us, and sometimes that means that we can forget the real miracle of a Savior being born to us. So today's skit, we'll see a little bit of funny and a whole lot of cute, <laughs> but I hope it looks like, I hope it helps you look at the story of Jesus' birth in a new and meaningful way. And so we truly hope that you enjoy your presentation and are blessed by it. Um, the kids have worked really hard, and we're so proud of them. And then also, just a last note, for any kids from The Wave, um, Josh, one of your teachers, Mr. Josh, will be at the back, and there's a special gift for you as well at the end of the service, okay? Oh, sorry, in the children's check-in area. In a city called Nazareth, there was a woman named Mary.
Mary was promised to marry a man named Joseph who lived there too. One day, an angel from God came and talked to Mary and told her she was going to have a baby. Hey Mary, you're going to have a baby. You are to name him Jesus and he will be the son of God. Oh, okay. And then the angel laughed. Now, Joseph wasn't sure what to do when he heard that Mary was going to have a baby. So one night while he was asleep, <clears throat> I said one night while he was asleep, good. Now one night while he was asleep, the angel came to talk to Joseph too. Hey Joseph, Mary's going to have a baby from God. It's okay for you to marry her and take care of her and the baby. You are to name the baby Jesus. Whoa, okay. And so that's what he did. A while later, the emperor in Rome, Caesar Augustus, said that everyone had to go to their hometown to be counted. Everyone, please go to your own hometown so that I can count you. Joseph went to the town of Bethlehem to be counted because Joseph was of the house and line of David and Bethlehem was known as the city of David. There were lots of people there too. There were so many people in fact that there was no room for them in the inn. So, Mary and Joseph stayed in the stable, which is a place for animals to stay warm and dry. While they were there, baby Jesus was born, and Mary took him and wrapped him up warm and laid him in the manger. shepherds out in the fields watching over their flocks of sheep. And the angel came and talked to the shepherds and they were terribly afraid. 
Don't be afraid, I bring you good news. The Savior, which is Christ the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. You will find the baby wrapped in soft cloths and lying in a manger. And all of a sudden, a host of angels appeared and said, Glory to God in the highest. And then the angels left. I said, and then the angels left. And when the angels had left and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has told us about. So the shepherds went and found the baby Jesus in the manger, just as they had been told. And when they found him, they worshipped him. The end. Wait, 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 wait. That's not the end of the story. It's not? Nope, but let's just take a quick break for a song. called Jerusalem, there lived an evil king named Herod. One day, after baby Jesus had been born, three wise men came to Jerusalem looking for the newly born king of the Jews. So the king asked his advisors, Where is this king of the Jews to be born? In Bethlehem. He is in Bethlehem. Go and find him, and let me know where he is, so I may come and worship him too. So the wise men went and found baby Jesus by following his star, and when they found him, they worshipped him. And they presented him with gifts of gold and myrrh, and frankincense. But King Herod didn't really want to worship baby Jesus. 
He wanted to harm him. The wise men were warned by God in a dream about this. So they went home another way. When the king found out he was tricked, he was really mad. Ugh! I am really mad! He was determined to destroy this newborn king. So King Herod sent his soldiers to Bethlehem to find baby Jesus. Advisors, go tell my, my soldiers to go and find him and destroy him. But God warned Joseph about this in a dream. To get out of there! Get out of there! And so they did. And so Joseph and Mary and the little baby Jesus went to Egypt. And they stayed there until evil King Herod died. Yes, they escaped! After King Herod died, God told Joseph it was safe to come back because the people who wanted the child dead had now died. Hey, you can come back now, it's safe! Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus came back from Egypt and they went to live in the town of Nazareth again. That's where baby Jesus grew up. Now is this the end? Well, it's the end of our story today, but it's not the end of the story. And so now you've heard it all, about how God sent his one and only son to be born as a baby so that later he could die for us and save us from all our sins. And now all who believe in him can have eternal life. You can say it now. The end. amazing. Thank you so much, you know, Sheila Taylor and all of her team that uh, put so much time into that. Uh, that was just phenomenal. I just, during COVID yet. And so thanks to all you uh, helpers and parents and everybody that made that such a great time. And what a blessing it, it was. And too bad Sheila's not in the room even now, but go and thank her. Go and thank her. Make sure she knows that uh, it was appreciated. Lots of hours put into that. I've got a poinsettia plant here, as you can see, and um, I want to talk about the parable of the poinsettia just for a moment this morning. Now, right, right off the bat at the beginning of the message, I just want to tell you that this is not a poinsettia plant from this year. This is a poinsettia plant from last year. And what happened was that it was given to the office, and then, and then somehow in about maybe February or March, I think it was just kind of found in a garbage can. And I don't know what you happen, happens to your poinsettia plants, but so I saw it there and I thought, no, this can't be. And I retrieved it and I 
put it in my office, and I think it was thanks to people like Sheila and Victoria Griffin that uh, this was revived. As you can see, it not only revived as we nurtured it along this past year, but it's, it's thriving and it's doing great. And so I want to uh, come back to the parable of the poinsettia at the end of my message. This morning I'd like to just share from one text of Scripture, and it's found twice in the Bible. It's found, first of all, in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 3, where it says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And then it's found again in, in, in Matthew chapter 12, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And uh, this is once t- spoken by Isaiah about 800 years before Jesus, prophesying about Jesus. And then the second one, Matthew, is spoken after Jesus has been born and lived and died and resurrected and ascended back to heaven. And Matthew writes about him, quoting Isaiah, after he'd done all that he did in accomplishing what he was to be the hope of the nations. And amid this global, grand mission of being the hope for the nations. There is this verse that I just quoted that a bruised reed he will not uh, he will not a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. What's that all about? Is it about nations? I say no, it's not about nations. It's about a lot of people that live in a lot of nations. It's about individuals who are fragile, people who are out of step, people who are suffering the oppression of injustice and rejection. It's about people who, for whatever reasons, have, have a hard time even taking the next step in their lives. This verse is about people whose circumstances have ganged up on them, and they find themselves, as these two metaphors describe, a bruised reed about to break, a smoldering wick about to be completely extinguished. People who have lost hope. That's who God is speaking to in these verses. In the midst of the, the grand scheme of things for all the nations, God slows us down to look at the individuals that are all around us. I want you to picture a reed that is bent over, almost breaking. And as you do that, picture a person also who has been bent over with the weight of life, of circumstance upon her or him. Stress, weakness, worry. Picture the wick of an oil lamp that that is barely staying burning. And then picture a person who is at the end of themselves. No hope in sight. Nothing to cling to. Everything that has been tried has failed. No energy to even draw that little bit more up into the life source of their lives and go on. No way out, no hope. Maybe this morning you even feel a little bit of that. Maybe you're one of those people that I'm describing right now, and not many around you know it. Well, perhaps we don't find ourselves there very often, but in this past year, even now, with your mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual health, barely flickering sometimes in some area of your life, or with Christmas plans that are hanging in the balance because you're not even sure if you can have Christmas the way that you've idealized it and wanted it and planned it. Or perhaps it's even something more severe, an illness in the family 
or a broken relationship that you're not even sure can be reconciled or something that's a private struggle that you don't know even how or who to share it with. If you find yourself in this vulnerable, this fragile, this weak a place, well, this passage is for you. And the Jesus glimpse that we get in this passage is for you. And we're praying this morning that God will give you ears to hear what Jesus is saying to you. Because it says that a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff it out. That's the kind of Jesus that is being presented. There's hope for everyone, just like we sang or heard the children sing. There is hope for everyone. Not just the nations, folks, but the individual hurting and heartbroken, wounded and weak. It's said of Jesus that when he looked upon the crowds when he was on the earth in his earthly ministry, it says that he saw them as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I want you to hear the, the attitude and the heart of Jesus to the fragile. So what is your need this morning? How is it that you identify with a bruised reed? How is it that you identify with a smoldering wick? How is it that you identify with a, a lost sheep or a, a wayward lamb or a discarded poinsettia plant? How is it that you identify? Even if some of the bruises that you are enduring are your own doing. Even if the smoldering wick of the life that you're living now is a result of your own poor decisions, Jesus is still the one that says, I will not break that, that reed and I will not snuff out that wick. That's the kind of God you could come to today. That's the kind of Jesus that is presented in Scripture. He is not the kind of one who is waiting to pounce on you in judgment and say, well, you've screwed this up enough. He's the kind of God that loves so dearly, so truly, that he's willing to accept you as you are. If you just awaken to him, turn to him, lay your burdens before him, and look to him as the one who can answer your questions. You see, what you really are hoping for is not a better job. What you really are hoping for is not more money or different circumstances. What you're really hoping for is not better health in 2022 and more strength. Not the ideal Christmas in just a week or the best Christmas present ever. What you're really hoping for, what your heart really is hoping for, is Jesus. That's what your heart really longs for. Maybe you have not realized that. Jesus himself. Now I want to ask you do, you, do you know when I say this, do you know what chapter of the Bible I'm referring to when I say, do you know about the love chapter? Put your hand up if you know the love chapter in the Bible. I see lots of hands, and some of you thinking it's right, and you're just afraid to put your hands up. Yeah, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, isn't it? And do you know how that chapter ends? It ends in verse 13 of chapter 13. And Paul says, in this verse, he says, So now faith, 
Hope and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Why is that? Why is the greatest of these three love? It's interesting that Paul says it this way. I think it's because of these three, only love goes on into all eternity, not faith and hope. Remember that hymn by Horatio Spafford called It Is Well With My Soul? And there's one verse in there. It says, it says um, And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. Haste the day when my faith will be sight. What is that based on? Is there any scriptural evidence for this idea? Well, I think there is. For example, the verse before Paul says that last verse in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, it says, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Or 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul says, We walk by faith, not by sight. Talking about this world, this life that we're living right now. We walk by faith, not by sight. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we read, Faith is being sure of what we hope for. There's both words used in one sentence. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see with our eyes. Romans 8.24, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it patiently. You're maybe expecting under the tree this Christmas that perfect gift that you've asked people for. And when you get to Christmas and you open that gift, well, it's no longer being hoped for, is it? Because it's been realized. And so... Jesus said that faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. It, seems, it appears that faith and hope are so very identical as to be twins, virtues that are accompanying this earthly life that we will maybe shed once we get to heaven for those who trust Jesus. The opposite of living by faith in this world, though, is living by fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. The opposite of living by hoping in God is living in despair. And God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Why would you despair in this life? And so when we shed this earthly body, when the dust that we were formed from and we return to the same dust, when that happens, the Bible teaches us, I think, that we will no longer need faith or hope, but love will continue for all eternity. And so that's why I think that faith, hope, and love are all existing, but the greatest of these is love because it's going to go on into eternity. Faith will be turned to sight. Our hope in God will be fully realized. First John chapter 3, verse 2, it says that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And John adds, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Faith and hope are related because hope is really future faith. Faith in what the future holds and faith in who holds the future. To put faith in God, to hope in God are almost identical, but, but not love. Love is on its own. Love is different. It is needed now for sure. It will continue throughout eternity. It is the hallmark of the Christian. Just as God is love, 
does not say in the Bible that God is hope or God is faith. God is love. It's needed now. And it's needed for our, the Lord and for each other. That's why when Jesus was asked, what, what really sums up the entire Bible? If you could put this all into just one sentence, what would it be? And Jesus responded by saying, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And then love your neighbor as you love yourself. You see, when Jesus asked to sum up the whole thing of God and faith and life, he used the word love. So we need to use the word love as well. The greatest of these is love. Now I want you to imagine something. Can you imagine what it will be like in heaven when our love for God is perfected and that we worship God the way he deserves in the perfect love that we will find in heaven. Because right now our worship is not complete and our love is not complete and so how could our worship be complete? But can you imagine the kind of worship we will bring to God when our love for God is perfected? And similarly, can you imagine what it will be like in heaven when we do fellowship and when we do family, and when we do friendship in heaven, can you imagine what our love for one another will be like when it is perfected in heaven? And all the things that irritate and get in the way of each other right now will be dissipated, gone forever. And we'll love each other as completely as it is possible for any two human beings sanctified by grace, glorified by Jesus to love each other. That is going to be interesting. Can you imagine how incredible it will be that we will truly put each other first? That we will truly, genuinely, not only listen, but hear another perspective like we're not hearing right now. Can you imagine what it will be like to sincerely look out for the interests of others and not your own interests? Can you imagine what it would be like not to be so preoccupied with my own needs and wants and desires and rights that I actually will give you yours first? And not just out of duty, but absolute love that says, I, I, I just love you. And I want you to have that first. Can you imagine what it'll be like to have a perfect love for God and for one another? Let's go back to the poinsettia. Let's think about the parable of the poinsettia. What is it that this morning I want it to illustrate? Friends, I want it to illustrate... I wanted to illustrate what can happen after a family member, a friendship, a person in the fellowship, a neighbor, or a co-worker has been discarded for a season and then is re-invited back into your life and nurtured along to the point of thriving again. That friendship, 
that family member, that situation that you have discarded or it's been discarded, and now God is saying, no, that's, that's not my love. That's, you're, not, you're not doing it right. That's not me in you. That's what I want the parable of the poinsettia plant to illustrate for us this morning because God knows and you and I know that there are a ton of relationships that are suffering right now for all kinds of reasons, perhaps one of the chief ones being COVID-19. And I want to share this sermon with you this morning really because I want to tell you about our plans for the next week or two in this church and the services that we're planning. And I I share the, the, the message with you First, before we share the announcements about Christmas Eve and Boxing Day, because I want you to adorn this attitude this Christmas. And I want you to adorn this attitude of love, this perfect love that we are looking forward to, and the one kind of the kind of love that we're called to to live out right now with people that we don't see eye to eye with. And so I'm asking you that even even I can tell you that in the next five minutes when I share with you the announcements about what's coming, some of you are not going to be happy. You're not going to agree with the leadership of our church. I'm asking you to put on this kind of love. I'm asking you to put on the attitude of Jesus Christ who being in very nature God didn't didn't stay there as we know. He came down. He came to be one of us. And he put up with us. He still puts up with us. And, and he says, you know, I've got a better life for you. Just turn to me. So I'm asking you to do that. So I was very disappointed, I can tell you straight up. I was so disappointed on Friday when I heard the province's COVID-19 regulations and restrictions re- reinvented. And uh, we got together and we've been praying as staff and board and we've been meeting and uh, we have another meeting this Tuesday evening. I would ask you to pray for us. We, there's nothing in this last two years, almost, there's nothing during this entire pandemic that the board and staff have taken lightly. We have been trying to listen to every corner of the church family. We have been trying to hear every voice. We've invited uh, feedback. We continue to. If you can write to Dave Barton, the, the moderator of our church, before Tuesday with anything you want to share with the board, we'd be glad to share it on Tuesday night. But after much deliberation and prayer and thinking, we've, we've come up with what we think is the best decision given the circumstances that we have. And so on Christmas Eve, we are going to have two services. We're going to have the 4 p.m. service like we've planned, and we're going to ask for proof of vaccination at that service. And the government is letting us to fill the building with 50% capacity. And that has already got some people signed up, about 200, I think. But there's room for lots more. And then we're going to have a a service at 6 p.m. And we wanted that to be like these services, one-third capacity, with no proof of vaccination. But we are now limited to 25 people. And we're going to offer this service for 25 people. And so those of you that are going to be the first to sign up for that will, will be the first 25. But as of today, the list for 6 p.m. Christmas Eve is being scrubbed off clean and restarted tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So tomorrow night at 7 p.m., you can go on our webpage, you can get an e- you'll get an email, and it'll, it'll give you the opportunity to sign up again for 6 p.m., 
And again, remember that the intent of that service is for those who have not been vaccinated. We would hope that that's what that service is all about. And there will be no questions asked at the door uh, at 6 p.m. service, but at the 4 p.m. service, we're going to be asking for proof of vaccination. I also want you to know that at 4 p.m. Christmas Eve, that will be live-streamed entirely. 4 p.m. live-streamed. You can look at it at home, and it will be posted and, and available right after that, uh, starting at 5 or 6, whatever. It will be available if you, if you uh, can't get into a service and you want to see and participate in what we have to share in Christ's birth on Christmas Eve. I also want you to know that um, next Sunday, Boxing Day, the board, after much deliberation and prayer, have decided to cancel the service. There's nothing. There's not going to be any audio. There's not going to be any video. There's not going to be any live uh, uh, service. The decision was based on wanting to give our volunteers and our staff the week off, and secondly, to give the board more time to deliberate, to pray, to hear from you, and to make decisions going forward for January 2nd and beyond. What are we, what are we looking at? We believe that we're at a bit of a crossroads as we see the government restrictions clamping down, and we're just asking that no immediate, quick, knee-jerk reaction decisions will be made, but that God in his wisdom, would lead us into the right decisions. And we covet your prayers for this. And we want you to know that (laughs) sorry. We want you to know that um, through this, this time, our board and staff have been so united but we don't all think the same. Far from it. If you think that we're all some, somehow a bunch of yes people, no, it's not the case. We're, we're all very independent thinkers. We all don't agree on, on certain things, but when we come out of a room and a meeting having heard from the Lord and each other, we believe we're making the right decisions. And so your view, your view is probably represented already on the board and staff, but we want to hear from you. And so please join us in prayer as we seek God's will. You know, we're so excited about the coming year. I, I, wish, I wish I could share more today, but we're out of time. But we're really excited about January 2 and onward. We're getting into Romans chapter 12, and we're going to talk and go on a journey as a church about how to become Romans 12 Christians. And uh, you're going to hear about that starting on January 2nd, so we look forward to that. Let me pray with you as we conclude. And I'd ask you to stand with me as we pray. And uh, just join me in in this time. Invite the worship team. God, our Father, we just thank you for, I just thank you, Lord, for this church family. I love them. These are great people that we've been called together to represent your body on earth. And Jesus, uh, we don't want to fight each other. We don't want to be unloving. We want to we try to bend over to understand another person's perspective. God, and we pray that this parable of the poinsettia will, will remind us that we can, we can retrieve and refurnish and replenish discarded relationships 
or relationships that are suffering and dying. We can, we can know that, that we can behave as you do, God, for a bruised reed you don't break and a smoldering wick you don't snuff out. And we don't want to be that way either, oh God. We want to be your people. And so help us, Lord. Help us to live in light of this. And we just ask blessing over every, every home represented, every family, individual. Bless them during this Christmas season and help us as a church family, oh God, to exalt your son in every way. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. My friends, uh, this song is, uh, is so old that, that it's probably new for some of you. But it's a, what it is, it's a, it's a declaration of intent. Uh, before each other, <coughs> excuse me, before each other and before the Lord about uh, how we, just like Terry said in, in his message this morning, we have been designed with a longing for more of Jesus and we are going to continue to pursue Jesus. We are going to worship Jesus. We are going to continue to look to him in all of our different things that uh, we're walking through and we're going to do that together and that's what this song is and I invite you to sing it as a declaration of intent. Lord Jesus, we will worship you, our Lord and King. Sometimes it is so very clear, you make it so very clear to us that everything is about you, that our life is for you, our worship is completely, totally for you. And I thank you, Lord, that also this church the very existence of this church, the very creation of the church around the world is for the worship of Jesus Christ. And on the one hand, we are excited once again to be entering into a Christmas season where we can focus again on the wonder of the Son of God coming to earth, living a life as a sacrifice for us. And at the same time as we enter into this season, there are so many different things that we're struggling with right now, especially because it's getting harder and harder to be together as this church in person sometimes. But we recognize that we are always called to worship. We are always called to worship you, and that's never going to change. I pray that you would perfect our love for you more and more on this earth as we wait for the time where it will be perfect completely. And I pray that you would continue, even in this time as we do wrestle with different opinions about things that really matter to us, I pray that you would perfect our love for one another, that in our love for one another, Christ also will be glorified. And I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in us and through us and around us this Christmas. And I thank you for my church family, who you love and I love too. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful day.